Continuing on looking at the head covering, I'd like to look at verse 3, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Read it again. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. As I considered this topic of the head covering, there was a number of levels of understanding that I felt as I considered it that we would need to really look at in order to understand the importance of the head covering and why it matters. And if we're really to grasp the, the teaching of it, there are other foundational teachings that are needed. And this, this in verse 3, we find here another one of those foundation stones that are needful if we're going to really understand why a woman ought to cover her head. We need to understand that God has created an order, and it's that that headship order that we really need to understand if we're to grasp and fully comprehend the need then for a head covering. We know that in the order of, of creation, we know that there is God. We know that There is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We know that there is the Holy Spirit. Under that, there's the archangels, there's the angels. There's man, there's woman, there's the children, there's the beasts, there's the the plants. God has created an order all around us. And when that order is in place, there's, there is, as, as we would say, it's orderly. Things flow smoothly. There's peace. There's structure. There's order. When that order is broken down, there's chaos. You take that order away, and there's, and there's, there's suffering. There's pain. There's disorder. There's, it becomes ugly. We, we understand that. I want to go and I want to read here in Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5 I'm going to start reading here at verse 22 Ephesians 5 verse 22 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior, the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You know, we live in a day where that's a very unpopular teaching. It's a very, very unpopular teaching to say that, to say those words there that we just read. It's really unpopular to say that a woman ought to submit to her husband. And I was thinking about this, and I, I thought, why? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal that we get and understand God's order of creation? And as I thought about that, I thought, we're really in a bad spot. We're really in a spot where this is another teaching that really needs to be recovered in our day and time. This understanding of God's order and God's headship is a, is a, a teaching that we really need to understand. And I would suggest that it's something that we don't understand very well. We don't understand really what the big deal is. Why is it so important that we have the proper order down? Why is it so important that we understand the proper relationship of man to Christ, of Christ to man, of man to woman, of woman to Christ? Why is it so important that we understand that? The reason why I think it's so hard for us to understand, the reason why I think it's so difficult for us to grasp, I think back on a conversation I had years ago. One of you in here may remember this. But I remember a conversation we had years ago as this discussion, I, I hate to even say the word, but as a discussion came up of how the church today ought to relate with the issue of homosexuality. I hate to say that word even over the pulpit. But as, as the church was wrestling with itself and how to address that, there were a number of us that felt that there needed to be a, a, a 
a stronger position taken against that particular issue. And there was a certain man who'd been, if I remember correctly, if my mind serves me correctly, that had been brought up and had been raised by, by two women. I'll just leave it at that. And as, as it was related to him, why we felt so strongly about it, there was a disconnect in, in this man's mind as to why it was such a big issue. Why would you make such a big deal out of this? I share that because this man had been brought up in that environment. He'd been brought up in that kind of a home. And so there was literally a disconnect of why would that be such a big issue within the church today? Why make a fuss about that particular issue? Yeah, it's bad. He wouldn't have disagreed. I don't think there had been any disagreement. I think that man would have disagreed with, uh, you know, he would have agreed that marriage ought to be between a man and a woman. There had been no disagreement with that. But as far as seeing the seriousness of that, there was maybe a disconnect. And that's, that's not an unusual phenomenon. That's, that's, a, that's something that consistently happens with those that have been brought up in homes where there's divorce and remarriage. It's very difficult for those children to, to receive a paradigm of truth that would bring such a deep conviction on them that they would see it as wrong as what it actually is. Because in being immersed in that situation of divorce and remarriage, living with a parent who's living in adultery, it, it's, it would be easy for that child to be so calloused over by that particular issue. They don't see the seriousness of it. They don't see the seriousness of what this actually is or any other kind of sin. If a child is brought up in a sinful situation, it's very difficult for them to be brought up to where they actually see the seriousness of it and abhor it. Okay, I share all of that because now I'm coming back to this issue of headship. I share that because I come back to this question that Sam asked. Sam shared this verse. I'll read it if I can find it quickly. I've been thinking about this verse a fair amount since Sam shared it. But you'll remember a couple of Sundays ago, he shared this verse. He read this verse. He said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. And then if you'll remember, he went through singularly and pointed out a number of you and said, see this day. Now, I don't know about you, but I sat there and I wondered, what's he talking about? I wasn't in disagreement, but I wondered, what's he talking about? How would I root out in the education system today these terrible things that he mentioned that were being handed out to first graders, what, what do you expect me to do about that? I don't send my kids to public school. I have literally no voice. I don't vote. I don't get involved in politics. So, Sam, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? How are we supposed to root out this 
pull this down, destroy, to build and to plant. Give me some application. Give me some practical application on that. I'm willing to do it, but how's it going to happen? Maybe none of you thought that. Maybe you all saw exactly what to do. Like, well, I'll get at it. Maybe you've been pulling down and tearing down ever since. I don't think so. I haven't seen a smoke cloud go off anywhere yet, but, it, it, but, but we're wondering that. What do we do? It's what, we're, we're to be building this kingdom of God. What does it mean? started coming into the, some ladies' heads about 1700, 1800s, that this idea of, that they weren't being quite treated right. These women weren't being quite treated right. They wanted, they wanted laws that would protect them from men that would take away all their property. It was expected back then, if, if, if she was an heiress of a large estate, a large trust, a large tract of land, or a large income, that upon her marriage, that would, that, that would transfer over to her husband. That was no longer hers. There were certain women that felt like that was a little unjust, that that wasn't quite fair. How do I know he's not marrying me for my money? We can all understand that. I am not at all arguing that there were injustices. I'm not at all arguing or defending the idea of male chauvinists who have beat women, who have hurt women, who have abused women, have taken away women, have put them into types of slavery, that, that's a whole atrocious crime that maybe someday we'll have a message against. And we should have a message against it. That should be preached against. Because it says that we ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church. As men, we ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church and how he gave himself for it. That's the standard for us as men. Sometimes we aim at the women over here and we point at the submission, and I think we do right to point at the submission, but we do it and we kind of don't look at the men who are to be loving them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. See, there's a tremendous responsibility on us men. We're dealing with a head covering issue right now, but I think that we could spend a lot of time addressing our role as men in nurturing and loving and leading and guiding our wives. It's really important. But back there in the 1800s or so, there was a group of women that felt like they were being done wrong. And I'm not even saying that they weren't. I don't know all the issues. I'm not up to date enough on it all. But they began to write and they began to feel like maybe they could do something about it. And that went on for a time, and you get up into about the 20s, the 20s, and you have the feminist movement now in swing. And I would tend to say that most of us here in this room, even including myself, really don't know a whole lot about the feminist movement to our hurt, to our detriment. Women began to feel like they needed, they had more value, more worth could be expressed in the career by pursuing a career. Children were a hindrance, children held them back. It wasn't glamorous, it wasn't glorious to stay at home. They were just as smart as men, and they are. 
they were just as capable as men. And in some ways, they are. In some ways, men are more capable, and in some ways, women are more capable. It just depends on that God-given order where they've placed them. There are things that a woman can do that I cannot do. And there are things that we as men can do that women cannot do. This is all part of this order. But this feminist movement that came in sought to wipe that all out. It sought to destroy that. It wanted to get rid of gender distinction. And if you look at the radical forms of feminism, it's as plain as can be. It's purely demonic. It's purely satanic. And their, their one clear goal, that is, it, this isn't conspiracy theory, it's right there in their writings. Anybody can find it if they'd want. It's right there, it's plain in day, they've put it out for anybody that would be interested to know. It's not conspiracy theory. Their ambition and goal is to get rid of the family. To break down the order, to put woman on an equal level as man in the order of things, and I'm not saying that there's not an equality. I'm not saying that at all. You know, when you give a message such as this, and you give a teaching on this, as I've said on many other messages, you have the opportunity to, preach, to shoot the preacher over and over. We simply don't have enough time to go into all the detailed specifics. I'm giving a high-profile overview of this particular verse and why it impacts us in our understanding of the head covering. But what we have to understand is there have been forces, evil forces, who have sought to destroy the family. And I would say quite successfully. They've actually done an extremely good job at it. So that now, and 100 years later, 100 years later, go back with me now to that conversation I had about this man that was raised by two women. We have been desensitized. We have been calloused over. It's difficult for us to understand why the importance of gender distinction. It's difficult for us to understand why the difference, why the roles of man and woman are so important. It's really difficult for us to understand that. What's the big deal? And I would say feminism, feminism is a lar- has had a tremendously large part to do with that. Breaking down the family barriers and the family, the family unit and the family structure. And so when Sam stands up here and shares with us the word of God that we need to be tearing down and rooting up and, and building and planting, what is he talking about? I would suggest the best way for us to do that is to look at the family unit and do everything we possibly can to build it godly. If we want to fight against feminism, we can, we can cry out, we can bring quotes, we can, bring out, we can call out women, we can call out... But you know the, feminine movement, the feminist movement reached its pinnacle probably back in the 90s. It's not even... And the reason it reached that the reason it reached it was because it reached the maximum point it could go no further. It had completely denounced the Bible. It had, it had completely denounced Christ. It had positioned itself as purely anti-Christ, totally against God. There's no further it can go with that. It can't build on that philosophy any further. All it can do now is go into certain veins and certain avenues where it can project its agenda further. But philosophically, it can go no further. It has stood against the Bible. It has stood against Christ. It has stood against God. And it has totally tried to usurp itself against the authority that God has ordained. It's purely demonic. 
But the reason it's not such a force, noticeable force today, is because it was so successful in taking root. It's so part of who we are and how we think here in the Western culture, we don't even notice it anymore. We don't even recognize it anymore. We don't even think about it anymore. So I question how successful it's going to be to try to take a stand and rip down and pull down. I think the best approach we can have is just to start to plant and build godly homes. That will be the very best thing we can do against this movement that has firmly taken root and for the day has taken the day and won the day. And now we as Christians find ourselves in a place where we need to recover this. We need to recover biblical headship. We need to recover what it means as men to lead their homes. We need to recover what it means for a woman to submit to her husband. We need to understand the headship roles of those, of, of God and the order that he has ordained. We can still be thinking, what's, what's the big deal, Dan? What's the big deal? We're so used to it. We're so used to it. We think nothing. We think nothing of it. Women in roles that a hundred years ago would have been strictly for men. And women in those roles and not, not even thinking anything about it. Feminism has so impacted our way of thinking about this that to suggest anything different puts you at a place where, watch out, there have been men that have tried to champion this particular cause and reestablish the godly home, that have tried to reestablish the role as men leading their homes and being the priests of the homes and guiding their wives and nurturing them and loving them. And they've given great, beautiful teachings on it. And they've, they've held out there the role of the women. And those men today are dead men. Dead men. Not because the world killed them, but because for some reason or another, they have utterly fallen away from the faith. That's scary. That's intimidating. Men that have at one time were utterly proclaiming the, the beauty of the home, the beauty of, of, of the headship, the beauty of men leading their homes, the beauty of women submitting unto them. Come to find out these men were living in adultery. These men were living scandalous lives and their families are totally, utterly ruined and destroyed. There is a force and a power that is behind all of this that is intimidating. It's so rooted in there and so firmly grounded, it's intimidating. Why? Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? We're not so different. It can be hard. We can be hard on a guy that got brought up with, with, by two women. It can be hard on him. It's pretty messed up. But we're really not any different when it comes to some other issues. Satan... I'm going to go to a scripture here, Isaiah 14. So through the public education system, the higher education system, There was a time when women lamented that they were not able to go to college. They were not able to receive a higher education. They had no choice in the matter. 
There was a time when women lamented that they, there, was, there was these ladies that uh, felt like maybe they ought to be able to preach. They felt like maybe they ought to be able to share in the ministry roles of the church. They felt like it was a little bigoted of Paul. They felt like it was a little bigoted of the early church. They felt like maybe there was some male chauvinistic tendencies there within the early church writings. They didn't understand why they couldn't be. If Christ is in my husband and Christ is in me and my husband can preach and Christ is the same in him, that Christ is the same in me, why can't I preach? Why can't I go to college? Why don't I get to be able to enjoy all the things that men the opportunities that are given to them. I can think just the same way as my husband. Why am I being limited? And the idea was is that men had casted women in such a way that they couldn't even name themselves. They couldn't declare who they themselves were because men had always declared who they were. Men had given them that position. They had no ability to defend themselves or stand up. And so there was this rising up and standing up for women's rights. And you go to the public education system, you go through the colleges, and you listen to the propaganda of all of those messages. And, and, and when you come to realize this isn't conspiracy theory, this is what has actually happened. And they were completely successful. If you want to declare war, start going against the feminist movement. If you want to declare war, start looking into Marxism and realizing how it's impacted every aspect of our society today and how it's interconnected with feminism and then if you really want to declare war as a christian people begin to build the very christian homes that defy them and tear their system down and you will root up and tear down and you will build and you will plant and you will become an enemy in that regard and in that place but if we don't understand the seriousness of violating god's order if we do not understand the seriousness of breaking God's order that God, God has ordained it in such a way that the Son, the Son of God, is under. He submits to the Father. Now, can you explain all that? I can't explain all that. I don't understand all that. It's God's order, and it produces peace. What would it be like if Jesus Christ would have said, you know, Dad, I'm going to do it different. I don't mean this to be irreverent. I, I'm just saying, what would have happened if Jesus would have stood up against his Father and said, I've got my own way of doing this. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. It's dark, it's evil, it's devastating. Christ gave us the perfect example of what, it, what perfect submission looks like. And he also gave us the perfect example of what servanthood looks like. He gave us the perfect example of what it looks like to give yourself to that one that you love and that you are over and that you are to cherish and that you are to protect and that you are to take care of and you are to guide. He gave us the perfect example of all of that. We see the perfect picture in Jesus Christ. We see the Holy Spirit. Would we say that the Holy Spirit is any less God than Jesus Christ is God or that God himself is God? Of course not. It'd be heresy. We can't understand the Trinity of how they're all equal, and yet they, they are in different roles, but they are equal, but they have different roles. The same with a man and a woman. But within that order, 
When that order gets broken, why is it so bad? Why, when a woman decides not to submit to her husband, is it so devastating to her, to her husband, to her family? Why, when a woman decides she's going to do it her own way, and she puts up that wall of stubbornness, why is that so devastating? Why is that such a grievous sin? Why does that tear down and destroy so tremendously? We say, well, it doesn't seem like such a big deal, Dan. That doesn't seem like that would be such a huge thing. But I'm telling you, feminism has done that to us. We've been so immersed in the public education system where we think, where we have projected women to be able to do all the same roles as men, to the point where now today they can go on the front line with men, they can hold guns with men, they can, they can kill men, they can serve as police officers, they can do all the roles that men have historically and traditionally done. And don't you tell me as a woman that I can't do that and that I can't do it better than him. And we look on it and say, well, she's kind of brassy, kind of bold. wouldn't want her as my wife, but, you know, but the atrociousness of it, the wickedness of it, we don't feel that. We don't feel that. Isaiah 14. I just want to read here from verse 12. I'm going to go to verse 11. I'm adding a lot of narrative before I get to these verses. I understand that. I hope I haven't lost you in it. But one other quick thought. These, these ladies, these deceived ladies, and that's what they are. They're deceived. On any level, they're deceived. These ladies feel like they're going to be liberated. They're going to find freedom. They're not going to be bound as a housewife. They're not going to be bound as a keeper at home. That's shameful. It feels almost shameful today for a woman on that line there that you have to fill out every once in a while as a woman. What is your occupation? It's almost embarrassing. It's almost embarrassing for the ladies to put on their housewife. This thing has done a tremendous job of changing the psychology of the mindset of the American people. We're one of the greatest glories of a woman to stay home and raise up children is looked upon as shameful. We're almost embarrassed to put it down there. All on the sake of being liberated, being set free from the home. They can send the kids to daycare. It was all part of the plan, all part of the program. They can send their children off to daycare. They can go off to work, and they're liberated. They're liberated. It wasn't that long ago, my wife, she had a problem with her thyroid, as some of you remember. We were talking about this just recently, and she was sharing with me, and I can remember it quite well. We went to that hospital, and the, the area that we were in, they walked us through a set of doors. They took her weight. And as we walked back there, there was all these little tiny cubicles along the way back where they took us into a little door. Sitting inside these cubicles with no windows, 
were sitting these women, these liberated women. They had to ask us, they said, is it snowing out today? Said, yeah, snowing out today. Ah, haven't been able to look outside yet today. Here they sat in a little cubicle, but because they were getting paid, they were so blind they didn't realize they were sitting in a prison cell. They could have been at home doing what God had ordained them to do, but here they sat in a little prison cell that they called a cubicle in a hospital receiving a, a wage, and they were set free. And they couldn't see the blindness of what it was to be sitting in that place entirely captured. They'd bought into the lie. They'd bought into the feminist agenda. And there they sat, free. While their children received an education from a system that's only going to perpetuate the corruption that was placed in their hearts. How are you going to tear it down? By building godly homes. By the woman finding her proper place within that home. Fulfilling God's responsibility and God's duty. God's call upon her life. It's a lie. It's a lie to think that there's been something of any kind of liberation achieved. It's an outright lie. All that narrative to say this. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. And that's just what's going to happen. This liberation is a deception. In the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Broke the order of God. Why is this so demonic when a wife breaks the order of God? Why is it such a heinous crime to humanity and society and the culture that's all around us? Why is it as absolutely atrocious and de devilish and demonic? It's because it has its firm root in the devil himself and Lucifer. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will send into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I can be like him. I can do his job. I don't have to stay in this place of bondage, being captive, taking care of these little kids with snotty noses and dirty diapers. I can do everything that he can do. I can get the same education. I'll raise up to that spot. I'll be president of the United States. I'll be CEO. I'll show them I can do anything. Give me that gun. I'll defend this nation. It's the spirit of the devil. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And we have went on, and we have not understand, understood the great violation it is and the beauty of the woman's head covering. If we're going to tear down and root up and build and plant as we were encouraged to do, this is where it starts, finding our proper place within God's order and not violating it. It's been said that the hand that rocks the cradle is the one that rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle is the one that rules the world. We have women that have been given so much power, and they're forfeiting it so they can go sit in a cubicle to earn $15 an hour 
with the pretense that they've been liberated. And they can take that $15 and give half of it to the daycare to watch their little rugrats for them. It is an utter blindness and deception. And it's the culture that we live in. And if we're to tear it down, if we're to root it up, if we're to plant, we're to build, then the things that we need to do is we need to capture the beauty of being in our proper place as men and as women. There is nothing more powerful for a woman to be fulfilling that role as God ordained it. The hand that rocks the cradle is the one that will rule the world. There is a power given to mothers. And if we're going to recover that, we have to take that back up and hold it back up to its proper place and not be ashamed of it. We can't be ashamed to put on the line, I'm a housewife. I'm a homemaker. I'm a keeper at home, and I'm not ashamed of it. There's a power given to you ladies that is the, the, the women of the world. I don't care if it's the president of the United States or the one that runs for it. You have more power than her. You have more power than her. If we're going to understand the role of women, if we're going to understand the role of the head covering, there's things we've got to catch back, recover, and hold back up to their proper place. And it's time for women to evaluate themselves and look and see, have they bought into that feminist lie? And men, you're not off the hook. But because of the particular topic, there's been a lot of women that have bought into that lie. And they don't feel bad. They don't feel bad usurping the role of their husband. They don't feel bad resisting him. They don't feel bad standing up against him. And I'll tell you, it's ugly. It's ugly for a woman to cover her head if she's not in the proper order of God. God sees that order. That woman's usurping her role as woman and is standing up against her head. That head covering means nothing. It's just ugly. It's disgusting. It's a stench. It's hypocrisy. And that's about everywhere we see. And I'll say, the men are just as much at fault. We haven't led. We haven't taken that Christ example and nourished and cherished and given ourselves as Christ has done for the church. It's just as much our fault. It's just as much our fault. You can't expect a woman to submit when we're not being Christ-like to her. What we need is godly homes. I don't want to have a message on a head covering, what that ought to look like, when we don't have these first things first in place. We just become a, a, a show. It's just an outward show. The innermost part of our heart must be in submission to God's order and God's plan. Then the rest will flow out in a glorious display.
there's a lot more there that I could keep going on, but it's probably enough for now. Encourage us as to really take a look at that. How are we doing with that? All got work to do on that. But I want to build that. I want to build that. And I do want to tear down these satanic institutions that have risen up. So let's pray for one another because that's war. The devil's going to come at us. Open here to 217.